WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. The Steelers' voluntary spring practices begin tomorrow. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Le'Veon Bell will not be there. I don't blame Bell at all about that. He's got zero obligation. If I were an NFL player, I would not attend anything where the word voluntary is attached. I'd be like, no thanks, not for me. I do not volunteer. There's too much football as it is for those guys. You know one guy who's got something to prove? James Conner. He's hurt all the time. I know he's a great story because he beat cancer and he's coming back from a knee injury and he went to pit and blah, 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 blah. But the Steelers don't need a good story. They need a good running back to back up Bell and to maybe be even more than that. Connor had just 32 carries last year. That's it. He is always hurt. An athlete's biggest ability is availability and Connor doesn't have it. Honestly, the Steelers haven't done enough to cover themselves at running back, given the situation with Bell. They drafted that Jamoke in the fifth round, and they got bums like Ridley and Toussaint. Bell is holding them hostage, and the Steelers have allowed him to do so by making themselves very vulnerable at his position. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. If you want to hear an expert opinion on what Austin Matthews did this weekend and what his future is with the Pirates, stay tuned. We got John Parada at 4:30. Oh wait, I said Austin Matthews again. I meant Meadows. I'm going to do that all the time, all the time. Getting back to what I just said about James Conner, I'm tired of good stories. I'm tired of this guy beat that and that guy beat this. I've been inspired enough for one lifetime. It's time for James Conner to just go be a good football player and not a good story. And it's time for James Conner to stay healthy. It's not his fault when he's hurt, but it's not the Steelers' fault either. Not only will Lev Bell not be at the Steelers' OTAs, but Tom Brady isn't showing up in New England. He'll be missing the Patriots' OTAs. Aaron Donald, the Penn Hills and Pitt guy, will not be going to the Rams OTAs, and Julio Jones will not be in Atlanta. Odell Beckham Jr., however, will be turning up at the New York Giants OTAs. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. For some reason, we're still talking about the Penguins goalie situation. And people are bemoaning Flurry leaving and Murray staying, and Murray's been scapegoated for the Penguins losing because Flurry's doing so well in Vegas. But if anyone has a logical argument as to why Flurry should have been kept and Murray not, I'd love to hear it because I have not yet heard one logical argument. It's just knee jerk, weepy stuff. But, oh, Flurry was such a great guy. We miss him in the dressing room. And look what he's doing now. Meanwhile, you've never been in the dressing room. You've never met him. And, yeah, he's doing pretty good now. And he had a great career with the Penguins. 
But again, not one general manager in NHL history would have kept Flurry and let Murray go. Not one. Uh, Jim Rutherford said some interesting things today, and one of them involved Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals refusing to fight Jamie Alexiak uh, in that playoff series between the two teams after Wilson broke the head of Zach Aston Reese. you got to like Rutherford. He just lets fly. Tells it like it is. He'd be a great radio host. Here's the quote to the Post-Gazette. When Jamie challenged Wilson, he couldn't run quick enough to get away from him. Until, of course, the referee's getting close, then Wilson comes back and says something to him. Unquote. Rutherford said that Reeves would have offset Wilson's physical play. Well, okay, Jim, why'd you trade him? And then he said, one of the reasons the Penguins were okay parting with Reeves was because of how well they feel Alexiak can handle himself in such situations. It was also difficult to find willing combatants for Reeves. Rutherford said, quote, we have a guy who can do it, but when you talk about that style of player, it's hard to go after a player because the referees get in or some guys go the other way when it comes time to having a fight, unquote. Jim's right on the money. Wilson's a coward. He's big and he's tough and he's a bully, but he's a coward. He'll blindside people, he'll cheap shot people, he'll headhunt people, but will he take someone on when the odds are even? No, when the odds are even, he's a leaving, as we all saw when he turned tail and ran from Jamie Alexiak. 412-333-9939. Let's go to John in Harrison City. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Given the NHL fixed the games for the Golden Knights, what is the Golden Knights? Yeah, goodbye. Let's go to Jason on the turnpike. Jason, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Uh, hey, Mark. Just, uh, I'm just curious. If let's say this expansion draft didn't happen, the Penguins weren't forced to essentially let Flurry go. Um, they would have traded Flurry. Flurry didn't want to stay here any longer to be a backup. So, no matter what hypothetical scenario you might want to come up with, Flurry wouldn't be with the Penguins this year. Anything else? No, that's all I needed to know. Okay, good stuff. I like when I can cut you off at the pass and. I hate hypotheticals. Unless, of course, I have a lot of time to kill and the show is just dragging. Let's go to Jason and Shaler. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Um, yeah, I, I think I have a, a logical answer here about Flurry. And I, I think it's a little early for anyone to tell if the Penguins made a mistake or not. No, it's not. To see how no, many it's not. Years. No, it's not. Because the decision had to be made right then and there. And Flurry's 33 and Murray's 23. And Flurry makes $2 million is, a year more. And Murray just won the last two Stanley Cups. I mean, right, I mean, the, the way you're, okay, like if Murray would go out and hit, get hit by a train, God forbid, then yeah, then you could say, boy, what a terrible decision. The guy we kept got hit by a train. Well, right, but Flurry could play 10 more years and be an outstanding goaltender too. And Murray might play two more years and fizzle out. That's why I'm and, saying. And if I find the fountain of youth, I might join the U.S. 4 by 100 meter relay team. Actually, I'd probably never be fast but or light enough. But, but, bro, I mean, yeah, you just want to play what if indefinitely. It sounds to me like so you well, can justify whatever opinion you have now. Well, no, Mark, because, see, now it's easy for everyone to come out. Anyone that comes out now and says, oh, yeah, I, I thought we should have kept... Okay, let me, let me say this again. Let me see if you dispute this. 
Would any NHL general manager ever have kept Flurry and let Murray go? No. That that no. End of discussion, but. Junior. I you know, that's why America is a nation of of just people who are weak kneed wimps and can't make a decision. You have to wait. You can't tell. Who knows what's gonna happen? Flurry could play twenty more years and grow a third leg to put a pad on that, and then he couldn't be beat five hole. We don't really know. We can't have an opinion. Get a spine. Get a spine. Let's go to Shane in Moon Township. Shane, what's up? Shane, you're on the air. I guess he's not. Let's go to Mark and Irwin. Mark, you're on the Mark Mad Show. Hey, Mark. I, I do disagree with you on this debate about Flurry and Murray. I, I think that Flurry's an elite goalie, and he was last year. What would you call Murray? Uh, above average. Oh, average really? The guy average. who won two Stanley Cups is above average, and the guy who didn't win a cup from 10 through 15 is the elite goalie. I mean, I hate to crack on Mark, but let's not ignore what he didn't do. We can talk forever about what he did noted. do, and it was wonderful, but let's not ignore what he didn't do. Well, no, that's noted, Mark, from, from 2010 to 2015. Okay, so, so tell, me again, tell me, tell me about, again. Tell me again. Tell me again. Shut up. Shut up for a second. It's not your show. It's mine. Tell me again how the guy who won two straight Stanley Cups isn't an elite goalie. Well, I think he's got a better team in front of him than anybody else in the NHL. Really? What happened and, this year then? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Oh, wait. I know what happened. When they won, it was the team. When they lost, it was his fault. Is that about right? I think you play differently in front of an elite goalie. You take more chances. Oh, you, you know what? Honestly, You're you don't know, you don't know and... nearly enough about hockey to judge that. Okay. You don't. What were you? What? I watched the games with an elite eye, and I can tell they play different in front of an elite goalie than they do the other goalie. And not only that, I know exactly who the elite goalies are or aren't. Would you listen you to yourself? You, you sound like a dope. You, What's that? You don't, you don't think that that players play differently in front of an elite I think players play differently in front of goalies based on how they're currently playing at the moment. And Flurry was playing one. I don't think anybody thinks about, not one single player thinks about, well, we have an elite goalie in there tonight, so we can F around. I I disagree with that. I think they do think about that. No, you're you're absolutely wrong. Anything else? Seriously, no. you, you have no you, you you have no way of knowing what players are thinking depending on who's in goal. How dare okay. you be that presumptuous? Well, you're presuming the other way, right? No, I'm not presuming anything at all. But I'm presuming that's stupid, and it sounds stupid, and you are stupid. Seriously, how can you say that? No, I. I, I at least I bro. At least I've been around the game and talked to people in the game. Not one hockey player has ever told me they play different depending on who's in goal. Not one. And the subjects come up. We'll ask them. Ask them again. What makes you think I haven't? I've covered this game since I was 19 years old. Just about anything that could be asked has been asked and answered. You're making a presumption sitting on your ass watching the game on TV. Anything else? Well, I knew you'd disagree with me, but I have no, no, no. To I didn't there. disagree with you. I proved you wrong. But, but thanks for the call. You gotta like that guy watching on TV. They play different in front of this goalie as opposed to that goalie. I can tell. You like f can tell.
412-333-9939. See, th- this whole thing, and I bet that guy wanted to run Flurry out of town between 2010 and 2015. 105.9 The X. From the Body by Cochrane Collision and Customization Traffic Center. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It'd be the hoity-toity instead of the hoi polloi. Double M, what's up? Idiots are often happy, but they have no real impact in this world. Unless, of course, they're good enough to make the NFL. The X at 105.9. A lot of calls are coming in, which should, of course, make my blood pressure skyrocket. Murray's having a great playoff. He had a great year. Penguins still did the right thing keeping Murray. And nobody has yet come up with a logical reason why they should have kept Flurry over Murray. Let's go to Luke in North Hills. Luke, you're on with Mark. Hey, so you kind of explained uh, exactly my question just right now, but I was right there with you thinking they should have kept Murray over Flurry. But so this year, just seeing how Flurry has performed in the regular season playoffs, there's no part of you that thinks they did make the wrong decision. No, not, not at should. all. Not at all. I would keep the goalie who won the last two Stanley Cups with the talent level that Murray has every single time. How can we throw out of the equation that Murray won the last two Stanley Cups? How, how is that possible? Well, that, I think, segues into what I was going to say is, I think you have to. Murray's, Fleury's had one great year. Murray's had two. He's the younger of the two. Goals. Well, actually, He's proven. Well, Mark andre Fleury's had a lot more than one great year. In fact, in 2015-16, he had his best statistical year as a Penguin, but then he got hurt, and it opened the door for Murray, who never really let the job go. And, of course, Fleury came in in last year's playoffs, won nine of the Penguins' 16 wins, beat Washington, but Murray came back in and won the Stanley Cup and has just been a killer in big games with big saves, as was Flurry. But, again, you get back to the 10 years younger. You get back to the $2 million cheaper. So, so as a hockey expert going forth, who do you predict has the next best five years, Flurry or Murray? Oh, Murray, no question. Thank you for your time. I mean, I mean, why would I predict otherwise? What would lead you to believe that? that uh, I mean, Flurry is playing amazing. He's definitely the best goaltender in the NHL. Murray wasn't terrible this year, you know. No, he wasn't terrible, but I think he was just like you said, a bend but don't break. And I think Flurry has been a shutdown. Yeah, but, but, but he was a lot better than that in the two previous playoffs. And I agree. But what would you say wins the? But you cup see, you're each judging you're judging short term and trying to extend it to long term. I yeah, mean, I hear people say, here's the argument I get all the time. Flurry's a better goalie right now. They should have kept him for the window with Malkin and Crosby. Flurry's better right now. But Murray won the Stanley Cup in 2016 and 17. Isn't that pretty close to right now? I mean, how right now does right now have to be? Are we going to go by who plays good that year or that month or that week or that night? I think it's the, the Pittsburgh nation to always want the best. I know you hate it sometimes, but I think that's what it is, man. No, it's made me they rich. Thank you best. for the call. Made me rich. All the ditch diggers out there who vent their angst and are wrong almost all the time, it's made me rich, richer than them. Let's go to Ben in Beaver. Ben, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark, uh, long-time listener. Um, I just wanted to call and thank you for sorting out this Flurry and uh, Murray situation. I mean, it's so many people are butthurt about this whole thing, saying you know, Flurry's a better goalie player now. We should have never traded him. Blah blah blah. It's, honestly, it's the people that say this are, I think, the people that actually don't watch hockey. You know, 
And well, no, no. The people who say this just know who their favorite player is. Yeah. And they know yes. whose jersey they wear, and they know that their girlfriend thinks Flurry's cute. They know exactly. all the stuff that's not really that relevant. And I, but I know what they've forgotten, and that's that half of them tried to run Flurry out of town for a good five years. Exactly. Exactly. And there's people that I know that don't even watch hockey right now, despite the fact that you know the the Penguins lost, and now they just cross it off, and now. People are starting to cross off Murray off their list and say, oh, we should have kept Flurry this time. Well, no, people are, people are allowed to be glad for Flurry. I am. People are allowed to root for Flurry. I am. But it doesn't mean the Penguins made the wrong move keeping Murray instead of Flurry. And if Vegas wins the Stanley Cup and Flurry pitches four straight shutouts in the final, that doesn't mean the Penguins did the wrong thing in keeping Murray. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on with Double M. Hey, Super G, how you doing? Good, what's up? Hey, I'm, I'm going to give you, Murray, we should have kept Murray. I agree there whole, wholeheartedly. But Fleury, you know, he's having an incredible, you know, postseason right now. But he missed a third of the season and the Knights still won. That Their defense is fundamentally sound. They don't allow... Their, their system is fundamentally sound is probably a better way to put it. And yeah. their system is so good, and Mark's been so good, that their yeah. weak point on their team is the talent level on defense. Uh, they have they have better forwards than they do defensemen. I don't, I don't think great. they have a true number one, and they might not even have a true number two. But they do have depth up front and a little bit of depth on defense. Although guys like Shea Theodore, I mean, you know, he's okay. Like, like you know, Schmidt couldn't even get a jersey in Washington sometimes. You know, Engo. I mean, Engo here, he was rotten. He was playing right wing. He was so bad on defense. But it all came together for them as a team. And for a bunch of guys, also as individuals. Up next, going to catch up on baseball with our baseball guy, John Parada. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Uh, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. Bucko's lost three in a row to end their series with San Diego. Joining me not to discuss... He's our baseball guru. Check out his Parada report online covering MLB and Pirates baseball. It's the great John Parada. Uh, John, Austin Meadows went 5 for 11 with a home run in his Major League debut over the weekend. How impressed should we be? I think so. I, I think definitely impressed. Uh, you know, he handled himself really well. He uh, played well in the field. He, he got some hits, hit a home run, and probably had three home runs in the series. The wind wouldn't have been blowing in Friday night pretty uh, pretty heavily off the river, uh, and, and that kept a couple balls he hit the deep center field probably kept him in the park. Uh, you know, it's, it's impressive. His stock had, had kind of dropped a little bit here in the last year or two in the eyes of a lot of the people that you know ranked the prospects nationally. He'd been a top-20 prospect, dropped into the 40s or 50s on a lot of those lists. And uh, I think a lot of it was because he just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't get on the field. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got off to a solid start in Indy this year. He stayed healthy, which has been the biggest thing. And he came up, and, and he, honestly, uh, he looked even a little bit better than I thought he would for his first time up in the big leagues. So uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty encouraging sign to see him come up and play well, uh, like I said, after his stock had uh, fallen in the eyes of some people here in the last year. Well, can Meadows win a job right now for keeps in Pittsburgh? Or is he automatically going right back to the minors when Marte comes off the DL? He's go. He's going to go back. I just think that they don't. They don't feel 
They don't want to bench Polanco. That would seemingly be the most obvious place for him to move in a lineup. Certainly Marte would go right back in, and Dickerson has, has played well and left. But the Pirates still seem committed that Polanco still believe he can get things turned around. And all the indications I've gotten is that this is just a temporary thing. And Marte is eligible to come off the DL Saturday, and, and they're pretty optimistic he'll come off that day or, or soon thereafter. And once he does, Meadows will go back down. Well, why is Polanco struggling so bad, JP? He's been in the bigs now. I think this is his fifth year. And except for 2016, the numbers just aren't there. You know, that that's the great question that, you know, the Pirates haven't been able to solve either. I mean, he obviously has talent. We've seen that. He shows flashes at times for a week where he do, nobody can get him out. and He just does everything you could possibly want a guy to do. It, it's just the consistency, and he gets in those stretches where he gets out of his strike zone. He starts chasing pitches, and, and he isn't able to help himself. And, you know, I know uh, privately the Pirates are, are starting to get frustrated now. I mean, they, they've been patient with him through a lot these last few years, the ups and downs, ups and downs. And, you know, you just wonder if he's at a stage where it's ever going to happen or maybe he just is one of these guys who never played up uh, to, to the level of his ability. And, and it's starting to look that way. But, you know, they're committed to him for three or four more years in that contract. And I think uh, they're a little hesitant to give up on him right now. But, uh you know, I think at some point he's got to come through, and uh, I, I think he needs to he needs to develop that consistency, and he needs to to concentrate. And uh, I think he, he, you know, he just needs to take it a little more seriously. I think sometimes he uh, slacks off a little bit in his work habits and things like that. And I I think it's time he needs to grow up a little bit and take it all a little bit more seriously. Now, is Josh Bell where he should be? His biggest upside is he doesn't suck as bad as Polanco. And his numbers are okay, but the home run power isn't there. Yeah, you know, and that's a little disappointing. Uh, you know, he hit 26 last year, and, you know, he, 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 he doesn't seem to want to sell out for power for, for whatever reason. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, it's all admirable and everything. He wants to make contact and hit line drives. But, I mean, to his future, if he's going to be a type of impact player in the big leagues, he needs to be a home run hitter. And, you know, we saw in the second half of last year, he kind of changed his approach a little bit. And he was more willing to turn on pitches and more willing to hit the ball for drive the ball instead of just trying to make hard contact. And I think he needs to get back to that again. He just seems uh, so focused just on, on, you know, just the batting average and just, you know, base percentage that he sort of lose the sight of uh, what it is that sets him apart from from other players is the fact that he's the one guy on that team that has the potential to maybe hit 35 home runs in a season. And I think he needs to concentrate a little more on trying to hit for power. Can Dickerson keep it up? He's a guy, uh, John, I, it seems like everybody's waiting for him to just stall out, aren't they? Yeah, and I think, you know, everyone says, well, this happened last year in Tampa Bay. And, and he did get off to a, had a good first half and a bad second half. But, you know, I think the guy has made fundamental changes to his approach. I mean, this guy used to strike out a lot in Colorado and Tampa Bay. He's only struck out 19 times in, in about 180 plate appearances. Now, that's, that's a, in today's game, that's a remarkable rate of contact. And, you know, I think the guy is, is bought into the philosophy of Jeff Branson about, you know, making contact, hitting the ball to all fields, and, and I think it's worked for him. And, you know, sometimes guys just, for whatever reason, need a change of scenery. And I, and I think in Dickerson's case, Mark, I, I think he has something to prove to himself. I, I know 
you know, Tampa Bay dumped him on the Pirates for no other reason than they just wanted to shed salary. I mean, it wasn't that they were unhappy with him or didn't think he would play. But he took that personally. I was in spring training the day he came over in the trade, and you could tell he was really uh, he was really upset. I mean, the guy went from starting in the All-Star game to being uh, thrown out with the trash in less than a year, and uh, I think that has him motivated to prove Tampa Bay and a lot of people around baseball wrong. And I think when you have a guy motivated like that, a guy willing to make changes and put that all together, you're having a guy that's ready to have a career year, and he has so far, and I don't think this is a fluke. I think he's a pretty good player. We're talking to John Parada from the Parada Report. It's baseball talk here on 105.90 X. What are they going to do with Nick Kingham? Uh, he pitched okay again and got set right back down again. Uh, I understand development. I understand not letting a player's service clock start until they wanted to, but uh, this guy's too good, especially in context, John, to keep a AAA. I agree, and I think it just happens to be a situation right now where there's no room in the rotation for him. The logical guy to come out of the rotation would be Yvonne Nova, but, I mean, he's making $9 million a year, 8 or 9 whatever it is this year, and you know how the Pirates are. They aren't going to put an $8 million, $9 million pitcher in the bullpen. It's really hard right now to take any of the other four guys out. They both, I mean, they've all pitched at least okay, and some of them better than okay, and they're all young enough to think that they would continue to improve. So I think for the time being... Nick Kingham's just sort of the odd man out, but it's good to have that depth and, you know, things happen, guys get hurt, and or maybe eventually the Pirates move a guy like a Chad Cool into late innings as a reliever, but I think right now it's certainly not Nick Kingham's fault that he's not here. He's just a victim of circumstances, but I've been very impressed by him. I know he didn't pitch all that great the other day, but he also didn't pitch terribly on a day when you could tell he well, didn't Well, that's my point, up. John. Even when he's yeah. not at his best, he, he kind of finds a way. I think he yeah. shows... A little savvy beyond his experience. He is. And, you know, I mean, he's had a lot of things go wrong in his career, and I think it's made him stronger as a person. And, you know, you talk to the kid, and he's a bright kid, and you can tell he really understands pitching and how to go about his business. And, you know, like I said, uh, he's a big league pitcher. There's no doubt. Like you said, it's just uh, in the context right now, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. But, you know, it, it's funny, and I know that it's a cliche, but. These things do always seem to sort themselves out in the long run, and I think Nick Kingham's going to have a really good career, whether it's this year or next year with another organization, whatever, how it all shakes out. It's just a matter of time before he gets his opportunity. Will any of the Pirates' starting pitchers come out of the pack, John? Or do they just have a bunch of number three and number four starters at best? That's I kind of suspect there are threes and fours. The one guy who I think has the ability, if he could throw strikes more consistently and learn to, to throw an off-speed pitch with a little more consistency, is Chad Cool Because, I mean, you have a guy who can run his fastball up in the high 90s, he has, and he also can sink it, his fastball, and, and still throw it in the, in the mid to high 90s. If he could learn to control his slider a little better, and if he could just get a decent changeup, not a great put-away changeup, but just something to keep the hitters off the hard stuff. I really think of all of those, he has the most raw ability to be a number one or a number two starter. I think Trevor Williams is a guy who you see right now, you see what he is, and he's been pretty good, but he's the kind of guy, he doesn't have great stuff, and he maximizes what he has. He's another guy with good feel for pitching like Kingham and has a good idea of how to go about things. But yeah, I just I look at these guys and, and like I said, they're they're all okay. They're all fine. None of them are terrible. 
But uh, the one I think of any of them, I think Coolidge is the guy who has the best chance if he can add uh, something off speed. How long will they keep Josh Harrison? Uh, what's the plan there? Because he makes a lot of money. I think once he returns, you know, well, he is back now. I think he's going to give him a boost. But I wonder about their plans for him through even years end, John. Well, that's a great question. I mean, they have proven before when they are in the race, they will trade guys who are eligible for free agency at the end of the year. So, I mean, I would not be shocked, even if they're in contention at the end of July, that they wouldn't move him because I think it's obviously clear, even though his options are affordable for a lot of teams, they're not going to pick up options for like $10, $11 million for the next two years. And I think the thing with Josh Harrison, where you might have a market for him where multiple teams or after him on the trade front, you may be able to get something for him, even though he'd be a free agent, is the fact that he can play second, he can play third, he can play passably in left or right field. He's a great super yeah. utility guy for a contending team, he is. isn't he? Absolutely. And or if a team has a need at any of those four positions, you can plug him into any of those four positions and know that he can be a pretty good player for you. So I gotta think there's gonna be a market for him in July with, with contending teams because he could help just about anybody because of his versatility and the fact that he's a pretty good little player. He can hit and he, he makes things happen. How long till Young Ho Gung shows up? What's his status? Boy, that's that's a great question. I mean he hasn't played in so long except for that winter ball stint where he was just awful and out of shape uh, in the Dominican over in, in December. Uh, it's really anyone's guess. I've been told it's going to be at least another couple weeks before he'd be ready even to join one of the minor league teams. He'd be in enough shape and good enough to be ready to maybe start off an A ball and move his way up. So I would say we're not going to see him in the big leagues until at least sometime after the All-Star break, which is still another six weeks away. What are your expectations for him? It's hard to tell without having seen him, John. But he's been out of organized ball for the best part of, what, a year and a half, right? Yeah. Actually, if if I were the Pirates, I'd have no expectations. I I think anything they will get from him would be a bonus. And and I think they know that, too, and that's why they basically moved on, because I think they thought even if somehow, some way, and I know they didn't think he was ever going to be able to come back in this country, but even if they did, he did, they figured he would be so far removed that they couldn't, they couldn't count on him, which is why they went out and traded for Colin Moran, why they signed David Freeze to the extension two years ago. So I, I think uh, anything, and I mean anything they get for him, would be a bonus because I just think when you've been gone that long, I just, I just find it hard to believe you could jump in the middle of the season and be a very productive player. Uh, attendance is not considerably at PNC Park, John. Uh, catastrophically so since 2015, and, and even since last year as well. How worried is ownership and management about that? And what's the root cause, do you think? Well, management and ownership is sort of has a tin ear when it comes to what the fans think. So I don't think they, they truly, I think they, they really believe the attendance is going to pick up any time now, and I don't think it is. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of fans, and not so much the hardcore fans, because the hardcore fans are going to go regardless of what kind of team they, if they put a good team, a bad team, an indifferent team, they just love baseball, they love the Pirates, and they will go. But the casual fan looks at the Pirates, and I think they look at them as a team that, wow, they don't even really try to win. 
you know, they don't go out, they don't re-sign any of their best players long-term, uh, and if they do, they eventually trade them. They, they never go out and make a splash in the free agent market. They never go out and trade for a player anybody I mean, a casual fan has ever heard of. And I think what really hurts them, they're in the market with the Steelers and the Penguins, two teams that try to win and sell out and try to win every year. And, uh, you know, in comparison to that, I think the fans look at the Pirates as like, well, you know, they don't really care and they're not winning. And well, well, John, am I right, am I right in saying that, that the way the roster's been handled, really disassembled since the 2015 team won 98 games, has that severed trust with the fans? Maybe not in a noisy way, but maybe is that showing up with the attendance? Well, I think fans felt they were lied to. You know, they said all those years when the time comes and, you know, we're good and we're ready to win, we'll spend the resources necessary to keep the team winning and help it win, and, and they haven't. You know, and I know they. You know, the, the, the hardcore, the, the ones that are brainwashed by by the pirates, will say, "Well, it's a different economic system." And well, they still have a payroll, it's just about the same as what it was. But the bottom line is, they never went out and really tried to really truly win. They never made that big splash at the trading deadline like the Indians did a couple years ago with Andrew Miller, another small market team. And uh, yeah, I just think a lot of fans just are turned off by it and the. You know, I understand. I mean, if you root for a team and you think they're really not trying to win, uh, I could see where you wouldn't be too uh, too excited to buy tickets either. And I don't think people are. John, great stuff no. as always. How you feeling, all right? I'm feeling really good. Things are pretty much back to normal, as, as normal as I can be. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, But uh, everything's feeling, feeling fine. I appreciate your support and, and so many other people out there listening. I, I've gotten so many nice little notes of encouragement here in the last few weeks and it, it really means a lot well good job john we like to talk baseball and we're glad you're back we'll do it again next week that's john parada i'm mark madden bob mclaughlin next 105.9 Tom. and now the super genius mark madden let's face it you've always been in love with me and this is just your moment of clarity <laughs> i don't think so oh i know so the x at 105.9 tomorrow's gonna be a great show well better than this one anyway uh, we got the guy who wrote the Caddyshack book on in the 3 o'clock hour. It's a really good book. And then at 5 o'clock, my co-host for the whole hour will be radio legend Scott Paulson. Scott Paulson co-hosting with me tomorrow uh, during the 5 o'clock hour, so be sure to tune in for that. Joining me now is Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, what is your take on the Murray versus Flurry debate heating up yet again in Pittsburgh when I thought it was finally uh, by the wayside because Flurry has the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final. You know, it's funny, Mark. I don't know if the uh, if this would be heating up as much as it is right now if people were you know more into the Pirates or if there was any Steelers news out there. That's right. Let's blame the Pirates. It's just nothing to talk about, you know, other than Murray Flurry. And, of course, both sides are so passionate about it, as you've talked alluded to earlier in the show. Well, yeah, but but they're not logical about it, and, right? And, and I say to you, uh, take the, take the flurry side for a second. Could you think of one logical reason they should have kept flurry over Murray? No, no. If uh, I know you've said, if I, any GM in the league had that choice to make, every single one of them would have kept everyone in history. Every GM, yeah, uh, and I would like be if right you there. if you would have gone to George McPhee. Who was an idiot in Washington? I don't know what the hell happened since he became the GM at Vegas. But if you would have said to him, given him his choice, Murray or Flurry, he would have undoubtedly picked Murray. Ten times out of ten. 
Just hey, that's the economics. That's the way. Ba- that's the way hockey is set if up. If you said to him at the end of this season, at the end of the playoff, we'll trade you Murray for Flurry, he'd take it. Hmm. At the end of this playoff, yes, like where we're at right now. Well, maybe not bad PR move, <laughs> right? Killer PR move because he is the face. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen. He's a team. the reason they're in the final. He absolutely. But, but you is. know what I love? I love the way that idiotic reasons are presented as fact. Usually through some kind of gravitas added to the delivery. For example, well, with Crosby and Malkin, it's about right now. And Flurry's a better goalie right now. To which I respond, what, 16 and 17 aren't right now? It was just last year and the year before. And if you're going to break right now down moment by moment, tell me... To what degree? Is it every month, every week, every day we reevaluate right now? It's funny, Mark. There was a seismic shift with the Murray Flurry. As soon as people realized that Mark Andre Flurry had a chance to leave the Penguins, as soon as people realized that, yeah, this may happen, he might not be a Penguin next year. It's like all the people that planted their flag for all of those years that Mark Andre Fleury was never good enough, that Mark Andre Fleury wasn't a Stanley Cup goalie, that Mark Andre Fleury couldn't get it done consistently. All of a sudden, Marc-Andre Fleury is about to leave. Everybody reverses you know, course on this. And all of a sudden, he's everybody's favorite player. Tim and I used to do the morning show here on the X. Mark, we fought people off in hordes every morning calling for Fleury to be gone, that he can't do it. He's not the Penguins goalie when they've got that much talent around him offensively. And it's amazing to see the shift and how people have turned to where it is right now. What's your take on Vegas uh, now in the final I'm not sure anyone believed it until it actually happened. And and I, for one, don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I think Tampa would beat them. I think Washington might. But then again, they've, they've gone to the next level every time despite doubters. But I think it's very logical to doubt them. I mean, they're still an expansion team. They still don't have the greatest defensive core. But Flurry really is – Flurry is the reason they're there. If people want to say that as a separate statement of fact – you know, not connected that they should have kept him in Pittsburgh. Right. That I buy. You know what, Mark? Even a week ago, I wasn't so sure about Vegas Golden Knights. You know, even with Mark Andre Fleury and the way he was playing, I thought that Winnipeg just was, you know, putting it all together. That offensively, they had everything going, and they go into Las Vegas and they lose four to one. I, I never would have seen that coming. I don't know how many people did. Um, yeah, you can say that the Vegas Golden Knights are for real because they are there. They're in the finals. I think that the Lightning would beat them also. I agree with Zeisberger. I think that the uh, Lightning will beat the Caps. I think the Caps spent it all. They, you know, being on the downturn now. I, it might go seven, though. Caps might win tonight. Uh, uh, yep, wouldn't rule that out. But if it does go seven, think of the pressure on the Caps again. And we said this, the same thing about the Yeah, Penguin but game series. seven would be at Tampa. Right. You well, know, now that Tampa's the team that's supposed to win. I think if it goes seven games, the pressure would be equally divided among the teams. Four game seven. Even with the history of the Caps? And even yes. with all you know how high they were riding after beating the Penguins? Yes. Okay. I mean, that's fair. But um, look, either way, I think that the Vegas story is great for hockey right now. And I don't understand. Uh, looking at a couple of the stories coming out of Canada, there are people complaining that this isn't right for the NHL, that Vegas gets into the Stanley Cup final in their very first year. Well, what do you mean well, not right? Uh, exactly. They, they earned it. Exactly. They absolutely and earned it. And nobody thought they could do it. When the team was assembled, nobody said, oh, this team's too good. Oh, the process was too fair to Vegas and unfair to other teams. 
If St. Louis hasn't won since 1967, since they got in the league, that's their fault. Right, and these GMs and the same fans of all these other teams complaining right now, Mark, as they were setting up these deals, you know, to get this player or that player and have to take this player, they were loving the way that the NHL draft was set up this year. Well, like I said, uh, the Florida Panthers gave... Vegas, Jonathan marches so on the condition they also take Riley Smith. Right, win for I, Vegas. I, I don't know who they kept as a result of that <laughs> that 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 uh, deal making, but but that's two thirds of their first line. And Columbus got the other guy on Vegas's first line. They gave William Carlson to Vegas on the condition they take David Clarkson's contract, and 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 they gave him a first and second round pick to take him. I mean, that's a hell of a deal. You get a first and second round pick on the condition you take a guy that wound up scoring 40-some-odd goals. Now, that said, nobody thought Carlson no. would do that. And I'm not convinced this year won't turn out to have been a fluke for him. No, but both of those examples are excellent in proving that Vegas won those deals. Vegas won every one of those trades, and it all came together with them because Marc-Andre Fleury was the backstop. It allowed them to just get out there and play hockey. They have a good defensive core. The offense came through when they needed to. Um Good for them to be in the Stanley Now, Bob, here, here's the kind of tweets and I'm getting. And that's even without Flurry, Mark. That's even without Flurry. I'm glad Vegas is there. Here's the kind of tweets I'm getting. Flurry is the better goaltender. Probably will be for the next few years. Win now, right? But Sully thought Murray was better, so Rutherford had no choice. Murray won the Cup in 16 and 17. Win now. It was now, then, and Pittsburgh won with Murray in goal. People just are... There's a lot of unrequited crushes on Marc-Andre Flurry out there, Bob. <laughs> Male and female. That's Bob McLaughlin. Nothing wrong with that either. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. There's an athlete that Pittsburghers always make fun of, and sometimes you should. This time you shouldn't. 30 seconds away on 105.9.